It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Lau Show. We're here talking Taipans. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, and I'm really excited for this week's show, Laos. And I reckon we're, we're talking about the most exciting team in the NBA right now, the way the Taipans are playing. So I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into the way they've been playing over the last last three games since we did our last show. Um, before we get stuck into that, that, let me introduce you, my co-host, Alex Loudon. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, you get a bike. No, we got it out there, but um, it was a uh, oh, unbelievable game and sort of plenty to chat about. Uh, a little bit curious though, because in your post pre pre this uh, podcast, you're saying about um, how we, how the Taipans will charge into the playoffs, and I, and I think I think we've got to unpack that mm. that comment a little bit today. Um, so yeah, keen to get this one started. This episode of the Pikey and Louds Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Well, let's get straight into it. I, I mentioned that on social media, interested to get a reaction, now interested to get your thoughts because, I, like I just said, I think this Taipans team is the most exciting team in the NBA right now, the way they're playing. You have a look at their, their points, and, and over the last five games, they've, they've scored more than 90 points in every game, including 106 in a, in a loss to, to the Hawks, obviously, which went to overtime. But it's the style of play that they're playing. You've got a, a point guard who can mix up the tempo. He, Scotty Machado can slow things down. He can push the pace when he wants to. I reckon Cam Oliver is probably the most exciting player in the league just, just overall, and, and he loves putting on a show. He loves finding the camera. He loves... He loves revving up the fans. You've got you've got Kawat Noy, who is an absolute showman, and then you've got Majuk Deng, who loves to play things up. You've got you got Jared Kenny and, and the mullet to to add something different. I reckon this Taipans team is exciting, but it's also one that's now playing basketball that deserves to be to have them considered a genuine playoff contender. And if you have a look at the teams they're fighting with, the Perth Wildcats now slipped back there eight and five, and Cairns have beaten them twice. So you know they've already almost got that season split wrapped up against against them. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are only one win ahead of them now that they've beaten Melbourne United twice. They're suddenly not far ahead, and and they're right around the same mark as Adelaide and Brisbane. So I see no reason why they can't consider themselves playoff threats right now. Well, there's two there's two things. One, I, I agree with um, the fact that they're really on on, a, on the rise, and they've got some really exciting players um, sitting on five wins. Only really one team is ahead of them outside of the, the top four. But there's one. There's just one little thing that irks me, and just in the back of my head. Uh, all I think about is those three losses to Hawks and how much that could potentially come back to bite them. Um, and did they close the deal on the, on the bottom table? No, they didn't. So that's probably the only um, glitch in the armor um, that is, you know, the, the type end squad that's really forming a, a solid campaign. So, I mean, the, the win against Melbourne is huge. They, they had, you know, they, they had to go to their um, uh, press defense to try and just invoke some kind of uh, you know turnovers and things like that but um, the Taipan probably could have been more attacking against that that pressure uh, but they certainly uh, got the job done uh, against Melbourne United again uh, so I mean they're getting big wins against uh, teams at the top of the table but they're also <laughs> they've also got that that 0-3 against the the cellar dwellers so um, two games away from half 
from the halfway point, Pikey. Mm-hmm. Um, a very gettable home game against New Zealand Breakers, and then two days later, a, a tough trip to Sydney. Um, I, you know, this will probably be one of the predictions where I have to split the weekend for the boys, mm-hmm. uh, only because it's a it's tough to play a back to back game, let alone go into uh, you know Kudos Arena uh, and really really perform at the top of their game. Not not impossible, but I think my head's telling me a split on this weekend would be um, sort of uh, acceptable. Um, tough to go 2-0, and but not impossible. If they go 2-0, and then I'm saying that, yes, a, a big push for top four finish. If they split the weekend, I think they're on track for a log jam um, later on the season for that. Uh, fourth, fifth kind of placing. So um, if they don't get the job done on Friday night and then don't get the job done in Sydney, it really becomes uh, quite a tough a tough stretch uh, leading into the second half of the season. Well, let me pick your brain a little bit more about what you, what you just said because it's fascinating the way the season's unfolding so far for the Taipans where against the grand finalists from last year, the Wildcats and Melbourne United, they're 4-0 and zero and they've looked fantastic. But then if you have a look right. at against the, the Breakers and the Hawks, who you would think are the two teams that are out of the playoff race just about already and they're zero and they're zero and four against them. How do you how do you explain the differences in those in those performances? You know what? It's funny because um, you know I saw the guys after the the game, and, and I'm not quoting them or anything here, but um, you know you start to get a real good sense of how the the team is and how they sort of mix and, and gel together off the court, uh, and they're, and they're great blokes. I mean, they they get along really well. Um, but what I, I kind of see, and, and correct me if you wrong if if I'm wrong or if you've seen this as well, Pocky, but. They've really risen up to the challenge of the big games yep. that when when they feel like they've they've got a point to prove. But then there's kind of a bit of a relax, a bit of a a bit of a lackadaisical kind of approach to the start of some of these perhaps not so important kind of games or not so challenging games where it's not the the um, uh, championship team from last year or something like that. You know, there's just a little bit of a uh, they lose a bit of an edge going up against an opponent where. It doesn't they're not as high up on the ladder so this game I think would prove to me that they've recognized that for one you know don't take this game lightly we're just coming off a massive win and we're playing the bottom team or second bottom team in New Zealand breakers let's let's learn from our mistakes from um, you know the, the game after that massive win in Perth uh, you know they lost the next game after that so let, let's learn from that kind of thing and just be switched on we just gotta be switched on from the get-go otherwise a team will put on like seven or eight offensive rebounds in the first quarter and all of a sudden there's a big mm. hole um, can they figure it out and actually Actually, go. This is our biggest problem right now. We win a game, then we we kind of lose a game. We win a game, then we sort of you know let our guard down for a split second. So it's a little bit of maturity, I think, maybe um, in, in really going. Look, this league is is tough. Like recognizing that if you let your guard down, teams will punish you in this league. And I think I think that's their biggest hurdle uh, right now is mentally switching on and and understanding the urgency to to really get a good start. And continue that rolling for four, for forty minutes. No, I think you make a great point because if we go back a little bit over a week ago, they they'd had the, right. the two Saturday night games in a row at home, a really solid win against the Bullets, where they never really looked challenged. That was a, a terrific win, and then they backed it up with a, another terrific performance on the back of that eighteen and no run to beat the Wildcats in, in the fourth quarter. But then I feel like two days later, like you said, there was a real letdown heading to Illawarra, where they perhaps thought that. 
they just had to turn up and continue playing the way that they had in the fourth quarter two days earlier and they'd come away with the win and they started really slowly that night. They ended up probably should have won the game given I think it was Scotty Machado hit those cu- hit those couple of threes just yeah. before just before the game went into overtime. Um but what leads to a drop off like that when you're you put together two really good wins and then you head to Wollongong to play the bottom team? What what sort of leads to a letdown like that? And how do you how do you avoid that happening this Friday night against the Breakers? Well, well, it's hard it's hard to pinpoint, and I'm sure you know Mike's Mike's sitting there thinking the same thing. Like, how do I get these guys to switch on and understand the the en- enormity of what we need to do here? It's not just going to be a walk in the park, just going into Illawarra to you know and start well. But I think individually, that a lot of the players are new to the league. Um, obviously, Cam Oliver, Scotty Machado. Um, you know, th- these guys aren't aren't used to potentially the the uh, distance of travel they're not used to uh, the league and how teams respond and how well it's scouted we, we play each other four times in this league um, pretty much except now we've got nine teams obviously um, there's some some teams you only play three times but it's heavily scouted like with a, with a low number of teams you, you just that's all you can do is scout the opposition so everyone's going to have these little tweaks and how the, the game plan is so you, so that each team's learning a lot if you just play 28 teams uh, you know, play each other once every you know three or four weeks then you sort of then you're just playing a, a pickup yep. game basically yep. kind of thing with a bit of structure but but here in this league the difference is you know every detail is under a microscope and you play each other so close to the last time you played each other <laughs> the coaches have to adjust so i mean you know that that aside or if you, if you don't have an understanding of that then you kind of could be caught just sort of having a bit of a lapse and and um you know thinking oh, i'm just going to you know get into this game nice and easy and then oh, oh, oh hang on a minute we're, we're in a hole here like i you know a couple of plays a couple of players have got going haven't done your defensive assignment haven't remembered to box out you know those those are the kind of the mess the mental lapses uh, that that can really kill you a lot of those things have been an ongoing problem the rebounding has been a problem all season, but on against Melbourne United, it was the opposite. The 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 Taipans were terrific on the on the boards. They out rebounded Melbourne by by twelve, and that's a team that's got Sean Long, who's been leading the league in rebounds all season. Seventeen offensive boards, I think they finished with. That's something that hasn't been a strength of this team. But if suddenly they can start rebounding the ball a lot better, and between Cam Oliver and Noy, they had twenty six of them. Just, just on their own seven offensive rebounds between them. How, how much of a difference can that make if they can rebound better on a, on a, on a consistent basis? Well, that, that's the point I made to Mike is that that was the most noticeable difference that I've seen from the first Melbourne game versus this one. In the first Melbourne game in uh, Cairns, Sean Long just had a field day in the first quarter. He just got all the offensive boards. Um, and this time around, everyone to a man boxed out their guy and Cam Oliver uh, was able to really put a body on Sean Long and, and came up with the goods. Um, interestingly, I think I think Cam's obviously a four-man. He's not used to playing against NBA talent five mm-hmm. men for a start. So most of the time in his matchups against the four it's just a, a jumping contest which he's gonna he's gonna smash that every day of the week but when you come up against NBA talent and you're and you're playing at the five position I think it's been a bit of an adjustment for him as well um, just just to, to switch on and go I'm actually gonna I've actually got to do my work early and body up as uh, and put myself in a better position than to just go oh there's the ball I'm going to go for a, a jumping contest uh, and then seven foot Sean Long's just you know got they got the length on him so um, I think I think 
he's had to really realise the, um, you know, being maybe out of position or giving up a bit of height uh, at the five position when he plays at the five, that he's really got to do the, do the grunt work early. Um, and uh, I think Kortnoy, um has shown has shown games where his high energy or, or really aggressive attacking the board has really set up the rest mm-hmm. of the game for him. If he tries to start a game shooting hot and, and getting into the game by shooting, it, it's not so much his style. I feel like his style is, is energy plus. Get going, and get contributing that way first and then some threes might open up. But if you open up a game with, you know, three rocket launches and um, don't quite connect on them and then all of a sudden, you know, your team's in a hole and you're probably going to be facing a subs pretty soon coming off the bench to try and find some answers offensively but each each guy's uh both those guys are pretty young as well what's 21 yeah. what cam oliver's 23 yeah. still learning and and learning at a very quick rate if i you know if i am honest about this this league they've come in and had to shoulder a big um you know load for the the type end so they've really performed well but i think there's a steep learning curve for the guys the other thing about cam is that Unlike a lot of the other big guys in the league, and, and Sean Long's one of them, and I think just about all of the big guy imports that every team seems to have signed this year, they seem to be getting in foul trouble. But Cam seems to be on top of that at the moment. Is he doing? Has he learned a bit quicker than the other guys, or is he just a bit smarter? Is he, you know, what's he doing right that he's not getting into the foul trouble that the other bigs across the league are? Oh, I think he's. Uh, I think his post is good. Like he, he uses his strength well. Um, he, he'll contest late, and because he's athletic, he'll put a lot of players off who think they got an open shot. He'll kind of do that late sort of lunge and and contest. Like it's a bit like Nate. Like Nate's arm length is so mm. long that he can get to and change a lot of shots late. So you know, I think he's uh, he's a help side defender. His, uh, his his role, Cam Oliver's role, has really been um, you know protecting the rim. And that the one play that sticks out, obviously Mello drew the contact, got a bit of separation, and was still trying to finish the lap and, and Cam Oliver read it beautifully and just volleyball spiked <laughs> it into the baseline and, and stared him down stared down Mello yeah. I thought that was uh, he's just got a really good sense of uh, the occasion defensively so he, he's sort of roving about around a bit and get ready getting ready to help um, the guards as they're defending their, their opponents coming into the key so um, I, I really like you know the way Cam sort of reads the game, uh, and yes, it's it's been it's been poised and efficient on on the defensive end. So yeah, it hasn't really come across much uh, foul trouble at all. I like the way he finds the camera pretty quickly after he makes a big play too, and it didn't quite work when he when he tried it in Perth because the Wildcats went up the other end and got a dunk when he he thought they'd called a timeout, but it worked pretty well on on in the game against Melbourne when he found the camera after he he made some big plays. Always got respect for someone that knows where the <laughs> lens is, Pikey. You've always got to know where the lenses are in the in the stadium and how many cameras there are and which camera to look at. So uh, he's, def- he's certainly got that <laughs> down pat. Uh, maybe he's flexed in the mirror quite a few times and kind of liked what he sees, but he's definitely uh, quick to, to locate uh, the, uh, the the crucial camera. What did you make of Melbourne United? You saw, you've seen them twice now up close in, in person. Um, were you surprised that, that they... I mean, to me, they didn't look like a team that was on a six-game winning streak, and and Cairns outplayed them for most of the forty minutes. What did you, what did you make of them? Uh, look, I, th- 
you know, Barlow got into foul trouble early there, so he was he's kind of the um, you know solid brains behind a lot of their their lineups that have been successful. Obviously, Pledger out, they had a bit of a, a mixed bag after that of you know sort of combinations. So I think they they missed a lot of shots that they probably have made, which would have put a lot more pressure on the Taipan. So um, once that wasn't working, they obviously went to uh, the pressure defense up the floor. So they were searching for answers and um, you know just. Weren't able to just get any sort of momentum. I think you know Mello did sort of lose possession a couple of times late, like crucial mm. possessions late in the game. So you know he he felt a bit of pressure later on. But I think you know Scotty Machado was just able to to control sort of tempo from the other end, um, and you know he was just kept the team more poised. And I think they, they got good looks um, once Melbourne had to go to that that press attack. Um, I'd I'd like to see more of the um, attacking offense from the Taipans when the pressure comes up because they were a little bit conservative for my liking in how they handled that press. They kind of got the ball over halfway then held it, you know, and then just almost waited for the defense to come back and get set. I reckon that's the chance where you're going three on two, two on one. Um, and, you know, this team would love to run and, and get on the rim like Cam Oliver yeah. did on that alley-oop from Kuat Noi. That was uh, pretty crazy. Mm. So um, he caught the, the one-hand cock back on the right, um, elevated off the two feet, caught it on the right hand outside the of the uh, the line of the backboard and, and threw it down uh, and then flexed as you <laughs> mentioned into the into the camera but yeah I want to see more of yeah. that especially when the defense is on the back foot and trying to pressure they they broke the, the first line of defense and then it's a um, you know like I said three on two or two on one uh, to finish the play you talked to DJ Newbill about his big dunk over Sobe on our last show he had another big one on Friday night as well it was a that was a, another big finish and Probably posterized one of his teammates, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I think Deng thought he was is holding back <laughs> Mello. Um, you know, Newell uh, simply elevated and uh, was sort of pushed. Uh, Deng was pushed in the back and ended up under the legs of <laughs> Newell, who who swears that it was a dunk. He got fingers to the <laughs> rim. I, I thought he I thought he got the ball above the rim and forced it in a downward <laughs> direction, making contact with the rim. So I think it's a poster on Deng. Pikey, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any two ways about it. If we could just get a clearer picture, um, like. Love to see uh love to see the print on well, that well before we talk about if he can dunk it or not are you still able to dunk when's the last time you dunked in a game you're you're, you're still playing of course oh. you're still playing playing at the marlins and even right now you're still playing is it is it in the in the a grade competition my last dunk was in 19 19- uh <laughs> 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 no it's, it's been a while since a lousy throw down um on the 10 foot rims the nine foot ones have uh mm-hmm. yeah been all right but um, now the 10 foot rims eluded the old can, you, st- can you still do it balls. on fresh lake yeah yeah that, that'll be fine you know probably a, a off two foot a leaner with the right <laughs> hand really reaching to get that really reaching to get that uh, emphatic throw down but um no it wasn't my specialty pikey i think um the athleticism kind of uh, escaped me when, but I did get a wet three ball so I was kind of <laughs> you know I was kind of keeping that thing sharp so no, it was <laughs> it's been a, been some time I wanted to get your thoughts as well on the point guard matchup obviously a lot of interest in Cairns every time Mallow Trimble comes back to play but to me I thought Scotty Machado clearly outplayed him Scotty had 17 points and 10 assists it's not all about numbers but even the numbers suggest that he clearly outplayed him when Trimble had 16 points and 4 assists um, how did you see their, their matchup well, let, let me put one of those assists into context here. He threw a left-handed, almost a no-look pass down the lane uh, to Nate, who um, who 
had out the Coco gadget arms to collect the pass with one hand uh, and put it in uh, then with mm. the left. Scotty Machado then looks at his left hand in amazement right. like, oh yep. man, I've, uh, uh, this is the gift of God <laughs> here. But Nate collected that thing from a mile mm. away from his body. I'm surprised like he, he made Scotty Machado look good on that catch. So I just want Scotty Machado to know that he's got some pretty good um, bigs who can, who've got good hands that can actually reel in some um, some passes. So uh, he's got he's got a bit of luxury there. He's got um, Cam Oliver upstairs. He's got Nate with the long arms that can uh, one of the best hands in the league. So uh, he's got some real good guys around him. But but man, Scotty Machado is, is obviously a dream teammate, finding guys in uh, positions where they can be successful. Um, so he's just a, uh, an absolute dream to have on any team or a dream teammate or a dream point guard if you're the coach. Um, you can just there's so many things you can do. And, but also the poise in in pressure when the teams other teams of the chips are down they, they ramp up the pressure he's strong enough he if he gets past his opponent like um, off a middle on ball or something he keeps them on his back by cutting off their their way back in front of him um, he's just got all the tricks of the trade and he, he just takes his time and that's what I love and that's a mature 28 year old um, that's been around a lot of different leagues NBA included and um, just uh, really really good to watch if you're if you're a point guard that loves the game this is a guy that you really want to base a lot of your uh, you know your decisions on because he, he really is a pleasure to watch now you promised us that you would attempt to direct a chant towards Melo Trimble if the if the if the mood struck, if he was at the foul line, and if if the building was a little bit quiet, how did you go? Yeah, it was it was a fail, Mikey. <laughs> the stadium was too big. I you know, underestimated the bloody size of the thing. It's a you know five thousand two hundred seat stadium. Uh, easier with a microphone in hand, but can you think I can find one in that stadium? No. <laughs> so not in the second row, but um, maybe somewhere on the floor there. But uh, no, it was it was all good. It was probably more appropriate in the first game if if they just got an extra free throw. Uh, it was kind of more hot in the media that time. Of, but it's still fun to, to get up there and, and have a bit of a laugh. There was a few that were with me. Who's with me? Had about, uh, you know, 10 over there, 20 over there. <laughs> we tried the boring champ, but uh, no, it was all good, all a bit of Did fun. Did you upset some people uh, too? And, and, oh, sorry. Did you upset some people as well? Oh, I think I think the um, the new players to the Taipans thought I was uh, having a go at, at the team, so they were pretty upset. But luckily, I had Jared Kenny's partner to settle them down, say, so don't worry, it's just lousy. <laughs> He's uh, having a go at Mellow Trimble. So uh, I was thankful for uh, for Alba for doing that. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had uh, dark stairs. <laughs> laser beams in the, in my in my uh, the back of my head for the rest of the game. Now the other thing was I don't know if you've been able to catch the replay, but but old old triggers getting some big big time interviews at halftime. He had you the game before. Um, I think it was the Brisbane game, wasn't it, or the Wildcats game? Um, and yep. then this yep. week he had Jody Maguire. What do you reckon he's got? Jody Maguire. What do you reckon he's got in store this Jody- Friday night? Oh, who has he got in store for this oh. Friday night? I don't, it, it could it could be former uh, Perth Wildcat manager Brett ha- yeah, uh, Habercroft, okay. uh, who's uh, involved with the Taipans this year, putting on the the meals and sorting out um, all the the manager duties. But uh, just looking after mm-hmm. the boys, he, he could be a contender, I think. Pikey, what do you? Yeah, well, he's a he's one of the best in the business. I was surprised that 
I'm not sure what ended up happening with him leaving the Wildcats, but it was uh, one of the biggest biggest signings in the offseason for the Taipans. He's a, he's a terrific pickup, and yeah, I'm sure the boys are appreciating everything everything that he's doing for them. Because you're, Well, I don't know if they are, Pikey, because the new guys wouldn't know anything different. The old guys would, and I said, make sure you tell the new guys what was before, because this <laughs> time around, like this year, they're, actually, you know, they're getting really well looked after with yeah. food. Um, there's, there's a player's room. There's, you know, multiple actual ice bars. So not a freezer container. <laughs> so um, you know the boys are getting looked after, and and so they should. And um, you know I hope they can really respect what uh, Brett Habercroft is able to provide for them now in uh, being a full time role as a manager, which we, we we haven't had before. One last thing, and then we'll move on to some of the other talking points in the league, and then we'll we'll do a preview of this weekend's games, and then then we'll we'll let everybody move on with their lives. The coaching staff, I think Mike Kelly and his team deserve an enormous amount of credit for the the squad that they have put together. We spent the first couple of episodes here on the Pikey and Lau show dissecting the squad, but now that we're almost at the midway point of the season, I think we're in a good position to sort of reflect on how how well it's put together. And I think the biggest change from last season was that I think the three imports that you played alongside last season were all, all too similar. You had three guards, so the, the backcourt was was loaded with the, the imports and had probably lessened the talent that you had to work with in the other three positions in, in a lot of ways. And I think that that probably ended up hurting the team and, and probably was a, a factor in the way you, you ended up not winning too many games, unfortunately. But to now have a, a genuine point guard with Scotty, you got DJ Newbill, who is a is a terrific shooting guard. He's one of the best shooting guards in the league because of the fact that he can he can score, but he does it so efficiently. And then Cam Oliver's a fantastic big man. And then you've got Majuk Deng and, and Nate Jawai as the other big man who couldn't be more different to back up Cam as well. You bring in Kite Noise, just small fort, and he's been a revelation. Um, and then you've got some handy role players like Mirko Jerick and Jared Kenny and Fabian Krislovich, who's playing important roles too. The team doesn't go that deep, but everybody has their role on the team, and it looks like it's a really well balanced squad. That's what, what that's what I've made in the first first nine rounds. Yeah, look, it's it's hard to get the combination right um, for for any squad uh, to get the balance right to get you know people filling the right sort of gaps in in the uh, in the lineup that uh, and have players that complement each other. The the trio of imports is is right, and I think you've touched on a probably a crucial point having a bit of diversity there, covering diff- different positions from point guard, shooting guard to to big man, athletic big man. We haven't mm. had someone like Cam Oliver um, with with the, the basketball. IQ and NBA level four, um, and gee, you know, would have loved to have a player like that on a squad with a, an established core. So, Taipans still roll through about seven deep for decent uh, minutes. I still stand by uh, my preference of the bench contributing about twenty-five points to really uh, balance out the workload. I guess uh, on the weekend uh, they had eleven points off the bench. The weekend before, when Fab had eight points uh, and the and the bench had twenty-five points. Uh, Collectively, I think that was the that was a big game from my point of view, and and Fab was the standout because his plus minus was like mm. twenty one, and his point contribution was eight points. So that was like that was like a perfect blueprint of a game how I would want to see it. Uh, turnovers thirteen or less, twenty five points off the bench, uh, team win, everyone's happy, everyone's kind of uh, chipping in. This game was a little bit more from the the starters to get the to get the job done. Uh, only eleven points off the bench, Pikey, um, fifteen turnovers 
have is probably a couple too many for my, my liking. But um, I think in terms of this team able to, to really bust out some huge wins, it's really impressive uh, to see uh, what they've been able to achieve. Can they continue grow? Can they continue to bond and, and gel? Uh, only, only time will sort of tell how that is able to uh translate into wins i'd love to see how these two games uh leading up to halfway pan out um so that they can sort of uh not not they don't have a whole lot of time mm. to exhale before the next next game but it certainly is a good point to just take stock and see uh where where things need to be adjusted but certainly credit to, to mike kelly uh for what they've been able to do these last couple of weeks this episode of the bikey and Louds show proudly brought to you by cans total physio less pain more life let me get your thoughts on a couple of things quickly happening in in other spots around the league. Starting with the Sydney Kings, they're they're unstoppable right now. They're eleven and one. They look they look clearly to be a cut above the rest of the competition. We'll get a good look of look at them obviously this Sunday when the Taipans head to Sydney. Um, what did you think of the news when they added in Xavier Cooks to a team that's already jam packed? This is a guy who is a fringe NBA player. He was part of the World Cup squad for for the Boomers before he got injured. Um, what did you make of, the, of them adding somebody of that high quality to a team that's already jam-packed? Well, let's talk about Will Weaver for yeah. a second. This guy is is fearless. He's come from, uh, obviously, NBA level, um, you know, also head coaching the G League team up there. He's at Brooklyn, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that's been involved with the Boomers. He's been involved with Brett Brown before. He's been involved with a lot of Australian players, um, you know, and he's kind of come into this league without anyone really knowing anything about him. But he's actually been right here in Australia under our noses mm. for, uh, for quite yeah. a few years. So, um, let's just look at uh, what he's able to do for a second now. So he's come out for he's on a multi-year deal here, um, and I know him quite well actually. There's um, there's a connection there with Philadelphia 76ers um, lead scout. Uh, Danny Mills is a good friend of mine and uh, he knows him quite well and uh, Will even stayed with um, t- Danny's uh, mum and dad who live in Cairns he stayed up here in Cairns and we hung yeah, out okay. a bit so um, you know he, he's uh, he's familiar with a few of the locals around here but this is a guy that's put together a squad um, he's he's obviously let go of Kwani Kwani um, you know which is a big move to to release a play in your first year uh, you know, out here, it's he's really handling it, handling it sort of very businesslike. I think um, you know, other other coaches might be like, well, I don't want to, you know, my first year, I just want to kind of get the lay of the land. He's sort of making big moves. He's been ejected. <laughs> uh, he's showed passion. He's showed um, you know resilience. He's showed you know uh, composure. He, he's sort of showed the full arsenal of quality coach that's you know doing the right thing so um i guess i guess i you know i trust his his judgment in in that he's uh brought in the best players possible he's just playing within the rules i guess moving pieces around on the chessboard just going to bring in the best player possible uh on probably a a a never-ending budget um that'll allow him to do so which is a luxury uh for any any new coach to a, a new league kind of thing so um he's certainly making some big moves he's not afraid to move players around even though that does have ramifications for the individual uh, but he knows it's a business he's coming from NBA level he's obviously got the respect of Andrew Bogut otherwise he wouldn't be out here um, so you know there's a lot of I think he's a big time player um, big time personality a big time person to be in that role uh, and he's never played much basketball in his life except for mm. maybe at the YMCA <laughs> so you know he doesn't need to have been a player he's just he's got a, a good brain on him I, I feel and I think he's um, 
you know, I think you know they're they're, they're poised for a successful season. I wanted to get your thoughts. You touched on it there already, but just on the fact that Kawani had to be let go for him. Obviously, you you spent time with him at the Taipans. I feel like if he had stayed at at Cairns right now, he'd be a very handy handy player. He, he could be sharing that that small forward spot with Courtnoy, and that'd be that'd be very very handy. Um, how much does this hurt him? And how do, if if you're him, how do you sort of try to bounce back from that to to keep your career alive beyond beyond this season? Well, I mean, I think I think you'd, you'd be looking at the, the you know your minutes and going, okay, I'm really not getting much of a look in here. Um, this is you know he was signed quite early in the off season uh, to complete the roster, um, so I think the the Taipans were still still needing time to put together the the squad. Um, so you know he he obviously was happy to sign uh, that early stage of the off season to to complete that Sydney roster and maybe uh, you know just taking a chance. Who wouldn't? Um, but I think obviously as the seasons wore on, he sort of realize he's, he's not going to get a whole lot of minutes so uh, it's always unfortunate when a you know player is is sort of let go and um, he, you know I think he'll he'll find his uh, way back on his feet he's such a positive guy um, and really nice guy like really nice teammate um, just he'll just do anything mm. for you like he's he's just always too mm-hmm. nice um, but um, you know I think I think he'll find his way he'll probably uh, reload again in this in the Siebel um, and um, you know he's got experience NBL experience like you said, he started to have a few uh, really good games yeah, uh, last year as well, and um, able to piece some uh, string some games together. So I think he had quite a, a couple double digit games, but um, he's certainly a lot of energy, a bit undersized in terms of you know you're quite noise at the three has a bit mm-hmm. more height than a you know Kwani Kwani at the three. Um, so yeah, he's just gonna he's gonna keep battling, he's gonna keep gonna find his ways, keep gonna um, gonna keep trusting that he's got what it got what it takes and, and make improvements. So I think he'll he'll be okay he'll land on his feet uh but it's just a bit of a setback right now and it's a bit unfortunate uh for his position but you know i think he'll bounce back the other big talking point across the league and probably across the world right now is is the way the mellow ball is playing we saw him against cans unfortunately step up huge and he hit that three to put the game into overtime ended up becoming the youngest ever player in nbl history to record a triple double and then he backed it up with another triple double in the next game over in, in New Zealand. We've seen some some mock NBA drafts come out recently and he's the number one pick. It looks like he's now becoming firmer and firmer in becoming the number one draft pick. What do you make of what he's doing right now at the Hawks and what do you think his future holds for the rest of this season? Well, look, I, I felt that that win against the Cairns Taipans back when he had the twenty-four point mm. game. Um, I was like, nah, he's he's not he's gone home for Christmas and not coming back. Like his stocks uh, couldn't really go any higher at that point, and I was probably couldn't be more <laughs> wrong. He went backed it up with a triple double against uh, the Taipans, and then another triple double. You know, the game after. So now he's projected number one. I still I couldn't I couldn't um, emphasize this anymore. I still believe that he'll be home for Christmas and not not needing to come back. Why would you? I mean, basically... The only thing you, your stock can do is go down. It's worth millions of dollars to stay healthy. If you get injured, bad things happen after mm. that. So why would you want to risk that? The team's not going to go to the playoffs. So you're not. Why would you? Why would you stay? I think um, you know his people that look after him. It'll be like a. It's basically a board. Mm-hmm. Like it's a business. You know he's the business. He'll have a whole 
board of directors uh, deciding his fate. And I just, you know, it will be out of his hands, obviously. Um, they'll be like, look, this is the best course of action. The board would include mm-hmm. his dad, the agents, the, everyone everyone that's invested in him. Um, and it just makes sense that you, you shut up shop and wrap yourself up and, and wait for June 22nd, staying healthy and just keeping in shape. So, um, look, I don't think he'll be around for much longer. What does that mean for the Hawks? Assuming he does leave, they still haven't been able to find a replacement for Aaron Brooks. I think they were very keen on Xavier Cooks, but they missed out on on signing him, obviously, to to go there to play under his dad. Eric, who's an assistant coach, would have been an ideal fit. What does it mean for the Hawks if they still can't bring in that next import to replace Brooks and if they lose Lamelo for, for perhaps you know the last 10 games of the season? Well, it becomes it basically becomes a junior development program uh, to save money to load up on someone for mm-hmm. next year um, if they've got finals hopes for next season. So, you know, you, you probably batten down the hatches and save as much money as you can um, and and just give your, your younger guys some, some quality time. And obviously, Sunday Dex having, um, Dex is having a great sort of season and Greed is not having a great season. Um, but, um, you know, they're about to be trying to, um, you know, get these players up. Uh, up to scratch and, and NBL ready and, and a possible selection for the year after but at this stage of the game um, yeah there's there's not really a whole lot you can do why would you waste mm. more money when you don't have a whole lot to start with you may as well be saving up for future seasons All right, let's refocus on the Taipans because this is a huge round 10 to, to try to consolidate now they've, they've won three of the last four games but Suddenly, a couple of losses this week, and as you touched on at the start of the show, would be would be potentially fatal. Go one and one, and you probably you probably are still treading treading water there. If you can get both of these wins, you probably end the round in the top four. So it, it's a massive weekend for the Taipans. It starts Friday night back at home, Cairns Convention Centre against the New Zealand Breakers, who who are really struggling. They're three and eight. They just managed to get back on the winners list, um, beating the Hawks last week, but they're, they're still down on manpower. I don't think Corey Webster still will be coming to town. Potentially Rob Lowe will be back though, which is good news for them after his nasty fracture to his skull. What are you expecting on Friday night? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, the, the Breakers will be buoyed by their um, uh, win against the Hawks, but I don't think it'll be enough. The other side of it is RJ Hampton had that breakout game against the Taipans, so he'll mm-hmm. be confident. Um, but I don't think um, the way the Taipans are playing, I don't think they'll let um, them come in quite so easily. I feel like the Taipans will get this done by um, 10 points or more, probably 10 or 12 points. Um, if they make it a close, if they don't have the start of being uh, and being switched on and ready to go and they let this game be a, a, a one possession game um, then that would be disappointing I think the Taipans have to put New Zealand to the sword um, earlier on by asserting who they want to be this season I think this is the perfect opportunity for them to prove to the league that um, they can back up a big win against a team that's sort of lower down on the on the ladder so this is a this is a big opportunity for the Taipans and I think they have to prove it to themselves and everyone and the fans um, that they're contenders uh, and they'll certainly want to get New Zealand by a lot and then head into uh, Sydney with a free swing. It's then a massive test on Sunday in Sydney but suddenly the travel problem's not as much an issue because Sydney will be coming back from playing in Perth on Friday night so both teams will will be you know both will will have played on Friday night and both had to have flown back to Sydney on on Saturday so that that evens it out a little bit but I mean the Kings are in in amazing form right now they're 11 and and 1 and they look they look outstanding but if you go back to the first game of the season the Taipans played them really well and 
for probably 30, 32 at least of those minutes, they were on top in, in that game. The Kings only got on top in the last little little period. So that they played well against them once this season. What do they need to do well on Sunday to to make a contest of it and at least be close late in the game and, and then try to pinch it? Well, I thought that first home game for a start, they got a little bit unlucky with a, a couple yeah. of calls that just sort of swayed to Bogut's way. So I think this game might be, have a little bit more of an even um, call on it from that side of things. I think it, it's an interesting point. They come back from Perth. I'd say Taipans have the less lesser travel uh, to do. Um, you know, Coach Will Weaver's been resting Bogut and it's been commented on a few different posts and podcasts that, you know, he's managing his minutes or he's, you know, Bogut's getting old. So he's getting more tired and things like that. So um, as a reference, it was gone down from, you know, 12 points a game down to eight points a game. Everyone's like, oh, he's performing worse. Well, he's just getting yeah. less minutes. Well, or is he being managed mm-hmm. better with the minutes that, you know, he only needs to play as much minutes sure. as he needs to uh, through the course of the season. Then you've got a fresh bogut for, the you know, late charge in the in the year. But I think, um, you know, I think bogut would find it hard to back up. You know, he's seven foot one. He's... he's You'll have to play a big game in Perth, who are who are angry at their performance at being pantsed at home um, again by uh, New uh, Adelaide. Yeah. Adelaide. So Perth are going to come out firing, so they're going to need Bogut for a good twenty minutes of that game, if not more. So he's going to have to play play twenty five, travel back. I don't know. Maybe maybe he gets rested mm. a little more, and you know, and they and they take their chances with um, you know saying to the other players, "Look, if you guys are worth your salt, you you're gonna have to carry the load this game. We're gonna rest Bogut, and maybe only get playing for twelve minutes, you know, or when we need to, or as much as he can, as soon as he can get warm yeah. and limber up. So it could be there could be it could be an interesting one. I'd I'd be very keen to see how that Perth Sydney game plays out. Maybe it's you know maybe it's a tight one. Maybe it's overtime. They're exhausted. Like things can change pretty quick um, you know the Taipans obviously will be focusing on the game right in front of them um, got to get the job done Friday night and then just sort of sit and go hang on a minute we've got a sniff here let's go for it we've got nothing to lose uh, and let's try and get back to 500 well very quickly let's touch on your predictions for the, the other games this round as well starting with that Perth Sydney game in Perth on Friday night which is come straight after after the Taipans host the host the breakers Mm, I think I think Sydney will get this one by five, but I think Perth are going to be sort of clawing and gnashing at the teeth, trying to um, find some semblance of form. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Sydney will get the job done. Melbourne United and Adelaide Thirty Sixes on Saturday, fascinating game. Melbourne have now lost two in a row last weekend. Adelaide have won their last couple, including winning in Perth. Intriguing one, this one. I, I think um, whew, it is a tough one because I didn't see Adelaide winning that Perth game, but they uh, certainly showed some um, some fine form. Melbourne obviously had a tough double with with Taipans and then Sydney last week, so they might be licking their wounds, but they might have a bit of aggression at home. Uh, is that, is that one in yeah. Melbourne? Is that, is that what you said? Yeah, okay. I think that one could be going to overtime, but I'm going to say Melbourne United by uh, six. In and overtime. also on Saturday, Brisbane Bullets host the Illawarra Hawks. It's a, a must-win game for Brisbane. They, they continue to struggle a little bit, but they, they can't afford to drop this one. Look, this one, <laughs> this one could be interesting if this is uh, Lamelo Ball's sure. swan song uh, as he heads into um, some some turkey and and some mm. stuffing. Um, will I, will I go for a Hawks win over the Brisbane Bullets? Oh, uh, I think Brisbane Bullets will have to claw to to keep their season alive. So it's going to be a close one. I'm going to go Brisbane Bullets. Just quickly, three. when does it get too late for the Bullets to make a person a personnel change? Which I think a lot of us think that they have to do, given the unbalanced roster that they appear to have. Put together. 
Yeah, the, the time to make a change was probably four or five yeah. weeks ago. Um, so, you know, what's the point of doing it now? Well, maybe it's to sort of scrounge together some semblance of, of respect, you know, going into the late part of the season. But, you know, if it wasn't for scraping into the playoffs last season, you know, Lamanus might have had a, a, a slightly different, um, you know, job mm-hmm. in front of him. Like, I, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on him to to make the playoffs last year and they only just got in um, and, you know, didn't have a great series. But, you know, I think I think he's going to have to do something. He's going to have to show that he's willing to, you know, if you stand your ground and, and bomb out and then get close to Wooden Spoon, it's going to be curtains uh, on the, and they'll probably have to make a change. Like, I think, um, you know, they'll have to they have to do everything they can uh, and try everything they can to to get the best possible players. It's going to be fascinating. Um, then on Sunday, Southeast Melbourne, who finally hit the road and finally got a win in Brisbane last weekend, they host the Wildcats, who will be coming off that tough game in Perth against the Kings. So a fresh Melbourne, Southeast Melbourne might might be too strong here. I think, yeah, I think Phoenix will get the job done by eight points against Yeah, and I think Perth. Ty Wesley should be back as well for that one too. So, um, right, right. We touched on Sydney and Cairns, obviously. So the round then ends on Monday night. The Breakers hosting the Bullets. Um, yeah, that, that, that one's tough to pick as well because even though the Breakers are struggling, they're still very tough to beat when they're on their home floor. Yeah, I think I think New Zealand um, will be good on their home floor as well, and I think um, New Zealand get the job done against the Bullets. Uh, we'll go by seven. Well, we'll see how we go, Laos. But this has been a big show, big edition of the Pikey and Laos show. There's been plenty to dissect, plenty to talk about. Hopefully, everybody's enjoyed hearing your opinions and your thoughts on breaking down everything to do with the Taipans and and across the league. We'll watch on in anticipation with what happens this weekend. But before we go, Laos, what can you leave all of our listeners with? This episode of the Pikey and Louds Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Well, mate, two games to the halfway point. This is when the uh, the scorecards come in, the, the school report cards will come in after these two games. Uh, can the Taipans get to 500? It's going to be a tough one with the, the games they play on this, road, uh, on this weekend, but I think they can certainly split the weekend and uh, lick their wounds and get ready for uh, an epic second half of the season. Mm-hmm.